I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Emerson Latzia holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We had a great show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review it. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKings Network, our YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, and Roku. You can also catch the best of Gojo and Golik every day wherever you hear VSIN from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern on the radio. Fun one today we are going to get now canceled, uh, but all-time great sports writer Peter King to join the show in the 9 o'clock <laughs> hour to answer for his crimes against Pop-Tarts that we discussed <laughs> yesterday and maybe talk a little bit about his historic 44-year run as one of the best journalists covering the NFL uh, and football at large. But the Pop-Tart thing feels... Lo- Dad, didn't you and him have some sort of beef about the Nathan's Hot Dog Contest a while back, too? Ooh. Yeah, he wasn't a fan of... He felt it was a waste of a lot, as, as other people do, a waste of, of food by doing that. But again, Nathan's donates a ton yes. of hot dogs and money and such so they are they are very big with that um so yeah there was a little disagreement there nothing nothing crazy i mean um and i'd like you to show some respect for a man in my age group 
and not come, come you know, for the cutthroat on no frosting on the Pop-Tart right out of the gate. At least let them feel settled in a little bit before you go for the kill. Hell yeah, Boomer. Listen, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do the journalism necessary to get the answers that people are looking for right now. That's what Peter King would want. That's the world that he built and helped create here around the NFL. I'm going to ask the tough questions. Sometimes life's not all cutesy. It's not just some raw, dry Pop-Tart that you're shoving into your gullet at any hour of the day. So we'll see if he's got the courage, the audacity to show up eating a dry Pop-Tart like that on this here show today. We'll also get to some news because... The college football people cannot stop tinkering with this damn playoff already. And this version, by the way, for people that dislike Notre Dame, may actually have a little bit more impact on the Irish if things keep marching down this road. We'll also get to some combine stuff as we're going to get linebackers and D-linemen on the field soon. And so uh, we've got plenty to dive into on that. But, Dad, I did not think we were still in the business of firsts with LeBron James. And then last night happens where you get the Lakers and Clippers playing in the final game where the Los Angeles Clippers will be sharing the Staples Center, now Crypto.com Arena, as co-tenants before they get ready to move into their new building and punctuate it by blowing a massive fourth quarter lead, a 21-point fourth quarter comeback that becomes the largest fourth quarter comeback of LeBron James's 21-year career LeBron outscored the Clippers by himself 19-16 to in the fourth quarter to help the Lakers stage. A massive comeback, Dad, during a stretch where they're getting ready to play a lion's share of their games and some tough ones all at home here in Los Angeles. And I know people tend to default to the line, hey, we need to stop and appreciate greatness. But there was a part of me sitting here watching it last night that usually is cynical about that stuff, but did sort of take a moment to appreciate I don't know how many more of these we're going to get with him. And so to see him turn it on and it to look like vintage LeBron James last night, I don't know how you felt, Dad, but it really did feel like something special again. Well, I, I do think you you maybe even watch more intently because you don't know. We take for granted he's just going to keep playing. But, you know, much like we went through with Tom Brady when we kept trying to predict the end and predict the end, and he kept going and he kept going. You're just not sure when it's going to end, to end, and we're still not sure with LeBron when it's going to end. So you just kind of, and, and I think that's the part of it as well, when you say, you know, appreciate what you see, because I do think you take for granted some of the great players in the league that they're just always going to be great. Then every now and then, they even remind us, us like, oh yeah, I mean, even one of the best of all time can separate themselves even more when they have to. And with LeBron, you got it all here. Not only hitting five threes in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Clippers alone himself, nineteen to six in the fourth quarter, but he does. You know, he started to do as well what he has done um, that got him kind of criticized. Always take the shot. Always take the shot. And LeBron's always been one that says, "I'm gonna look for the guy, you know, that has the better shot." But he was making these shots, and then he started dishing as well. Uh, and you got true vintage uh, LeBron when he's hitting his shots and feeling his oats and kind of throwing up everything. But then, you know, he will still have the wherewithal to dish that ball and find someone who's free. 
Yeah, Rui Hachimura was one of the other guys that really started to get involved in the rest of the party because the beginning of the fourth quarter, this Lakers team looked dead. It looked flat. They looked lost. Yep. They looked like this was over. I almost went to bed because it looked like the Clippers, even Sands, Paul George, were going to go out and be more than enough to take down LeBron and this Lakers team. And LeBron just decided he wasn't having it. He knew how important this was to a Lakers team that's still the 10 seed, by the way. And I still have questions about can they be something in the postseason if they make it out of the play-in tournament. But... LeBron James decided, no, we're not going to go quietly into this good night and went five of eight from three in the fourth quarter. And dad, you know this as well as I do. LeBron James three point experience is always a double edged sword because yeah. if it goes too far in one direction, all of a sudden we get to some heat check LeBron moments that can undo a comeback pretty quickly. But you're right. It was a reminder of what I think is the defining trait of LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes as guys that are all-time greats that we're in the middle of watching right now who combine this exemplary ability with, I think, something even more important, which is an understanding of when and how to be a teammate in the right way. LeBron's been lauded for always making the right play, and you saw it in that moment. He went went down there, and they were just getting the same um, switch for him onto Tice every time down the court. And LeBron James was either taking him to the rack or pulling up to shoot a three and making a bunch of them. But at some point, the Clippers decided, all right, if they're going to keep going to this action, we're going to start to double team him. And that's when LeBron started making the play. And he gets it over to Rui, and Rui clanks out the first three. The Lakers had been horrific from three the entire night in the lead up to the fourth quarter until he started doing it. And so what happened? Anthony Davis, who was rebounding his ass off in that fourth quarter, got the board, kicked it back out, and LeBron went right back to Rui. Dad, it's the same thing we saw from Mahomes when Marquez Valdez-Scantling, when Kadarius Toney, when all these players during the season weren't catching balls, weren't doing the right thing, were making mistakes, and he just kept going back to the well because there's this stubborn belief by these guys that, hey, I know what these guys are capable of, I know what they've done, and more importantly, I know what I'm going to need them to do in the future if we're going to get anywhere close to what we want. So seeing that through line of greatness, I, and I said it, Dad, I don't know if it gave me more confidence necessarily in their ceiling long term. Did it change anything about the way you felt about what this Lakers team is capable of, seeing them do it against an opponent like the Clippers? See, I, I think no, because we talk about the postseason, and that's all we're talking about here is how far can you go. Because it's a series thing, I think you can pull a game off like this, and we see Golden State, and we'd say the same thing, maybe a little bit more they could pull a game off like this, but can they pull off a series? That's, that's the issue. Can you be consistent enough to pull off a series? And that's where I think the answer is going to be no. Now, where they end up, let's see. You, you mentioned they were in a 10th. They actually moved up to the 9 slot right now. They're a half game ahead of Golden State uh, right now for between 9 and 10. But if you want to look at the glass half full, they're three away from an automatic uh, you know, spot in the playoffs at the number 6 slot where the Pelicans and Suns share the, uh, basically the same record. They're both 7.5 back out of the top of the, uh, the West. So they're within reach of that, but there's other teams in front of them as well. Sacramento. Dallas, Doncic has a nice game last night, uh, 30-point triple-double on his 25th birthday. I can't believe he's only 25. Uh, so, yeah, it depends on how you want to look at it, right? Can they they have those strong games every now and then to move up? Possibly, but I, I just don't think they're consistent enough to get up higher, really, than they are. Certainly not into the top six. And then by getting into the playoffs, if they were to get in from the playing games, to win a to win a tournament or, or to win win a series, I think that's that's asking a lot for this team. 
I would agree, especially because within this game, you saw, I think, their biggest issue, which is it's really hard. They have to be a streaky three-point shooting team like we saw in the fourth, where all of a sudden Rui, D'Angelo, Russell, and these guys working off the LeBron James orbit start to do that. You know, even Anthony Davis, who's had that in his bag in recent years, I heard in this game, I think it made only something like 19 threes over the course of this entire season. So it's been a struggle for them, and it's why they can tend to get bogged down at times and tend to get stuck in the mud like they did for the majority of this game. But Emerson, I don't know, just seeing it again one yeah. more time in year 21, knowing we're not guaranteed this, like we're used to this deep in postseason runs in the NBA Finals. And I don't know if we're going to get that anymore. And so there was part of me that just wanted to stop and savor the flavor, even if it's a regular season game against the Clippers. You, you may want to savor tonight as well, Gojo, because LeBron now just 40 points shy of the 40,000 career point mark. An yeah. eye-opening, eye-popping number there. The Lakers host the Wizards tonight, so you may want to free up your evening, gentlemen. Yeah, no, a good reminder that LeBron James, still appointment viewing, still has this big number to get to coming up. We'll get to another big number in sports. Caitlin Clark doing some big things in just a little bit here. But, uh, Dad, switching gears yesterday, as I saw LeBron James even cro made the crossover to the world of football. Those videos of him and Miles Garrett working out. Terrifying. Yeah. Like, I came <laughs> away somehow terrified by seeing both of them next to the other. Like, it's a reminder of how big and tall LeBron James is, but also how densely right. packed Miles Garrett is. The question was posed online the other day, which human would you not be surprised to hear survived a weaponless encounter with a grizzly bear? Miles Garrett would be up on that list. I feel like he would oh, do all right God. against the bear. That, that's, that's not even a question for me either of those two. Listen, and, and this takes nothing away from LeBron, but we're talking about beef here in, in a fight than the size of Miles Garrett. He's just absolutely freakish. So, yeah, I'd go that way, too. You guys follow any of, like, the yeah, gem LeBron couples on, on Instagram? Yes. You know, they work out together, and they do the same movements just at the same exact time, and it looks so beautiful and perfect. That's what this video looks like. It did. They were they were the world's most intimidating and accomplished <laughs> gym couple, maybe ever. And ah. LeBron said it was in the interest of wanting to pay game forward to the next generation. So maybe we'll eventually see him work out with Caleb Williams, who could be a bear coming up very soon. And we heard from yesterday. So the guys at the Combine are starting to show up and got to the podium. We'd heard GMs and coaches before. We got players yesterday. And Caleb Williams was one of the guys talking at the Combine. And a lot's been made, Dad, over the course of his time in the lead-up to the draft about what are his intentions. People wondering, would he threaten to go back to school or threaten to sit out if a certain team up top drafted him with the number one overall pick? And he responded by saying, quote, if I get drafted by the Bears, I'll be excited. If they trade the pick and I get drafted by somebody else, I'm just as excited. Speaking about Chicago, they have a talented team, a talented offense and defense. For anyone to be in that situation, I think they'd be excited. I'm not pushing any agenda. At the end of the day, the Bears have the last say. Regardless of how I feel, I'm not pushing an agenda of, yeah, I want to go or not. I don't want to go. I'm excited for whatever comes. So, Dad, it's a good reminder that most of what we had heard had been through other channels, yeah. either fake, like legitimately fake news and stuff that had come out that was bummed by these you know bum accounts on X or from Caleb's father and some things intimated there. So how did you take this? Because it seems like now they're trying to very clearly set the narrative that none of that was true. I, I said it at the time. I didn't believe it. You know, you, you can talk about if somebody's posturing for whatever reason, and I don't know the reason. Everybody was talking about he was posturing to see what he could get his NIL up to. 
Uh, so I, I just, I just didn't buy any of that. I didn't think he was going to pass this up. I've seen it a couple of times, once during my era of playing, and then once outside of it. Uh, during my era, it was John Elway who told the Colts, "Don't take me, or I'm going to go play baseball." And he ends up with Denver. And then when I was covering the draft at the draft, it was uh, Eli Manning who t- said, "Not going to play for the Chargers." You know, and he ends up getting drafted there and traded to the or the trade, and he goes to the Giants instead. So it's the only two times I have seen a a outward attempt at manipulation at the top. I just never bought into this, Mike. I never thought he was going to be that guy. Um, listen, he started out like a ball of fire coming in, and certainly he came down to earth a whole lot from the Notre Dame game on for the rest of the season. Uh, so when you're going to go number one, now there is the, there is the caveat that NFL players, college players didn't have of, if I don't go to the draft, what am I coming back for? You know, Peyton Manning came back because he wanted to win a championship. Others have come back for reasons, maybe to go a little higher in the draft. Now you do have the reason to come back if you can get a good NIL deal and feel you can make good money and still play college for another year. But my thought had always been, man, if you're going to go number one, you're not going any higher than that. All you can do is go down from there. That's the only thing you can do by play or by injury or by somebody else having a monster year. So if you're going to go one, you go one. It was like when Michael Vick came in the league. A lot of people thought, you're not ready for the league yet. And, he's, and he had some issues early on on the field. But when you're going to go number one, you go number one. You go and you start to learn on the professional side of what you need to do, even though we have seen quarterbacks now getting drafted with only 13, 14 starts, and they have a tough time. And a lot of times they fail, but it's very difficult to say go back to school if you're going to be a number one pick. And I never thought Caleb Williams had any intent of going back to school. Well, I also thought what he described about the Bears, like it's not just smoke. There is some truth to, hey, this Bears team ended up a little bit better than we expected and usually a little bit better than the number one overall team picking in the draft is. Now, we said the same thing about Bryce Young and the Panthers last year with what we thought the foundation was for them, and it turned out to be anything but that. It was a disaster. They couldn't protect him. There were no weapons to throw to for him. And so that's always possible, but I do think this Bears situation is also one that's interesting because it's a little bit more fertile soil for a quarterback prospect to go grow in than what we normally see for these spots. He got there Wednesday and is going to meet with the Bears, Commanders, the Patriots, so the top three picks in the draft, as well as the Raiders, Falcons, Jets, Giants, Minnesota Vikings, uh, according to uh, NFL insider Ian Rappaport there, and said he's excited for that first meeting with Chicago. And Dad, I do feel like Ryan Poles listening to the GM of the Bears talk, it does seem like it's going to be, hey, we're going to deal with this pick. And they said whatever they want to do with Justin Fields, they're going to try and figure out soon, in fairness to him, but also to give them the best chance at things. It seems, yep. uh, unless this is a massive smokescreen, which it always could be this time around, it sounds like they're pretty invested in taking this top pick and making it a quarterback and trying to reset the clock for this franchise. Yeah, I, I think so as well, because I think it, they feel if they take another chance on Justin Fields, and again, it doesn't work out, what's next year's class look like? And at this point, you know, you're talking about next year's class not looking like this year's class, either top end or depth as well, when you're talking the possibility of four or five quarterbacks going in the first round this year. And I say that knowing that some are reaches, but every year we see some that fail, even when you're a top pick. So, I think you have to put that into it. If if we stay with Justin Fields and we get a lot of uh, uh, you know assets for this pick, 
what does that do for us at the quarterback position if this doesn't work out? So I, I'm with you. Uh, this, this is a tale as old as time. You see a guy play for a couple of years. You see some good. You see some bad. You're wondering, okay, where is that ceiling? You see the, the fresh quarterback coming out of college. You say, wow, the potential there, the ceiling there. And you take that over unrealized, but or not unrealized, but we haven't seen yet the potential over someone who we've seen play for a couple of years. Well, I will say, too, that is an interesting way to also look at these prospects versus what's coming up. The reason why you're talking about a team like Chicago, I think, understanding the opportunity to draft at the top here. Because, Dad, with Caleb Williams, with Drake May, with even Jaden Daniels as, I think, a little more complicated of a prospect that this range that people are talking about, we've seen these guys over a few seasons. There's a lot of college risers. I know Drake May is always going to get the Mitch Trubisky comp because of they played right. at the same school, but remember Mitch Trubisky started comparatively way fewer games and came right. in as a little bit more of a raw prospect. There's some of these guys like next year's class that we're looking at and outside of what Shadur Sanders, Quinn Ewers, Jackson Dart, they're guys that have played ball, but not names that have accomplished at this level. We've got multiple right. years of Drake May and Caleb Williams being talked about like top overall picks, being guys that have produced and shown themselves in that way. And so in a sea of risky picks where these are all feeling like a 50-50 bet, these guys feel a little more certain because we've seen a lot of high-level stuff from them for a long time. There's going to be some guys, I'm sure, that make a Jaden Daniels-like leap next year in college, but that makes it a precarious situation because you're trying to gauge, why did it happen now? What took so long? Am I going to be able to get more out of this player, especially if it's someone that's played a lot of ball like Jaden has? And so I do think... The safety, it feels like, of these two prospects in particular between talent and experience at this time is going to be a big driver of why these top two picks are so valuable and why from three on, it's going to get real, real interesting to see what happens here because we're seeing Jaden Daniels mocked at three for a lot of people and that is still a little rich for my blood and I wonder if it's going to end up being a little rich for some team's blood. Coming up next though. Teams might have a little bit more to worry about coming down the pipe now. Shame is a powerful public tool, and the NFLPA has decided to bring back the team report cards to accomplish just that. We'll tell you who passed and who failed miserably next. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. (laughs) 
So I'm old enough to remember when report cards were actual cards, but the NFLPA releasing its <laughs> annual report cards, the electronic kind here, guys, yesterday, surveying players about their teams and facilities and services that they offer. So several notable categories were featured here, including team rankings overall, head coaches, team owners, locker room, and treatment of families here. Now, one of the more surprising team grades comes from the two-time defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs, who a year after finishing 29th in these rankings somehow found a way to slip to 31, ahead of only the freaking commanders go, Joe, and Kansas City owner Clark Hunt ranking dead last out of 32 team owners. How does this happen? Uh, it happens because this is a great reminder, Emerson, a great reminder that in professional sports and really any sport, when it comes to the things that actually influence winning and aren't just creature comforts that make everybody else feel more happy at their job, there are very few things that actually matter. And the head coach, I mean, that was the one place, Andy Reid, as many people pointed out, seemed to be the only bright spot on the Chiefs report card. And it's a reminder, Dad, that as long as you've got that guy and Patrick Mahomes, everything else can kind of fade into the background, provided that you don't have a training staff actively subverting you or a hot tub that's full of mold. Yeah, I mean, they, they got three, I'm looking at th four Fs, a couple of Ds on the different categories. As, as Emerson mentioned, their uh, treatment of families, food, nutrition, locker room, training room, training staff, weight room, strength coaches, team travel, head coach, and then owner, uh, which is amazing with the Chiefs. They go A, A with the head coach and F with the owner. It's wild. But you're right. This is different than college, gang. And I think it may even be turning the table, turning the page now in college where it was how cool of a facility can you get? Clemson has the slide, you know, going in there. It was all to attract the uh, the the recruits now, as a couple of uh, you know, power five coaches say, you know, you could have a you, the kid's locker could be a trash can and a lid, but if he's getting fifty thousand in NIL, he doesn't care. So is it going away from what facilities are in college because of NIL and in the pros, man, you just go and you do your thing. What what the, the things that I look at that affect you the most are obviously you know what do you think of your head coach. But as far as as your weight room and such, listen. If you got you know two weights that are both forty five pounds, you know that doesn't make me tilt, and I don't care what they look like, right? They don't have to be the newest, shiniest weights in the world. I'm going to lift the weights, you know. The training, you but you want a competent training staff. By rule in the CBA, you have to have at least three on site trainers at your facility, and that now by the union, they're starting to wonder, is that not enough? Those are the things, are you getting good enough treatment that, that I look at? Is your treatment good enough? How are you being dealt with once you get hurt? You know, how much one-on-one -on -one time do you get there? So there are certain things I pick on this. The others, Mike, you're, you're absolutely right, are luxuries. But when you hear stuff like, the Beng some of the Bengals' young players aren't charged for food anymore. I mean, as I was telling you guys in the break, some of the, some of the things that people got Fs for, when I was playing, they'd be A's. <laughs> because it has gotten a lot better, but that's what players are, are, are more used to, especially when you come out of the era of f unbelievably great facilities in, the, in college. You go to the pros and you're like, what the hell is this? I had it better in college. They're like, yeah, you did. Here, this is your job. You're getting paid to do it. Uh, just go do it. You know, do your job. Because if you don't do it, somebody else is going to do it, and they're going to be here and maybe won't complain about the facilities. So 
I, I don't know what will change. Kansas City, the ownership or management said they'll change the locker room last year. They didn't do it outside of putting chairs instead of stools in. So that's one of the reasons they get voted down lower. So I, I don't know how much some of these 11 categories make a difference. Yeah, I was going to say facilities also obviously very important. As you just said, senior, it's big reason why the Jaguars jumped from 28th overall last year to 5th this year. They also were able to get rid of the rat infestation in their previous, uh, in their previous facilities and also their concession stands. So things are looking up there in America City. Yeah, they're going to need uh, every bit of help they can get after the way that last season ended. There is no doubt. So I'm glad the rats are no longer there. But Emerson, what you mentioned there, there was improvement from some yeah. of the teams, albeit very incremental with teams like the Cardinals who stopped charging their players for meals. They changed up some of the equipment in their weight room. They added a small area. This was one of the ones that is more shameful is the treatment of families at a lot of these places and then yeah. not having certain things in place to help make life easier for spouses, people with children. Those are the things they actually should feel ashamed of and change and try and help make better. But dad, that's exactly why this is going to happen because I understand the folks from the NFLPA, it was their uh, executive director, Lloyd Howell said, this is not a shaming exercise. Yes, it is. Shame is a powerful tool. Yeah. We need a little bit more shame in a lot of areas of society at this point. And this is one of them where it got some results. And so they're going to keep doing it. And while the NFL was caught off guard last time, they can't feign surprise anymore. We live dead. Football and professional sports in general is a bottom line business. And it is one where there is brutal honesty in the name of correcting things here. And nobody, nobody escapes the scrutiny when you're a part of a team and trying to make things better. And so much like when we criticize officials and I say, hey, this is fair game. We spend and get up here on these microphones and criticize players all the time for mistakes they make in game. Coaches all the time for mistakes they make in the game. Well, it's not so fun when the rabbit's got the gun now if you're these organizations that are used to dictating the terms with no blowback or people pointing the arrow at you. And now all of a sudden players have a chance to do it. And I love it. This is reality television. This is mess. And I am here lapping it up like a hungry dog. Uh, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's it's fun to look at, fun to talk about. Fans will see it. But what will be interesting is if owner, any owners care, right? It, it, uh, you know, Hunt has got rated F as the worst owner in the NFL. Huh? Emerson just said some did. There were people that made changes after the last time. Yes. Shame worked. Well, well, the, the the Jacksonville was getting a new facility anyway. I mean, this this survey last the year Cardinals when it came out, the Cardinals stopped charging players for meals. They yep. changed the equipment in the weight room. They added a small family gathering area. Those are direct things that they were criticized Senior, for. I, Senior, I, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't say there would be no changes at all. I said, how much I many did. changes will there be? So, and and how many changes will there be that matter? Right. The one that concerns me a lot is the Cowboys. The Cowboys dropped big time and a lot of it because the players didn't like what was going on with the training staff, basically saying there's not enough. That's a concern for me. That's something I would hope yes. a team would fix. I, listen, I would love them to pay for every meal and actually have three meals a day and do all. I think it would be great. And I think they should. But I don't know how many, as I said, owners are going to look at that and say, well, we're not changing that part of it. Maybe we'll change this part of it. Because I agree with you. It's very difficult to, you don't stay stagnant all the time. You see what th things need to be made better, and you try and make some better. But I don't, I, we'll see how many overhaul changes. We'll see, will the Chiefs redo their locker room like they told the players they would two years ago? See if that happens. 
Yeah, I have no idea if the Chiefs are going to feel compelled to because things are going pretty well for them. It's your point. It was the first right. thing when I when I had buddies of mine that started going to the NFL back in even the early 2000s, mid-2000s. They said, oh yeah, they're not concerned about facilities. Most of the places that get nice facilities are at places where they've been upgrading the stadium because they want a Super Bowl bid or they want right. to host the draft. They're doing right. it for reasons that have nothing to do with the players. So you end up with some nice ancillary stuff to begin with. The Jets mm -hmm. and some of those teams, the Cowboys that were the first to do so. But for everyone else, it's no, they pay you money here so they don't got to wow you with the facilities. And right. as Bud Elliott over at uh, a 20, a Cover 3 Pod pointed out the other day, even in college, they're doing that to skate tax liability issues. And so they don't have to pay the players. Like all those, they like look like these gaudy recruiting tools, but it's really so that they can still operate as a nonprofit and go forward and not have to worry about shelling out money to players like they do now. Like it's all a shell game. You see the Bucks charge some players to not have a roommate on road trips. The Bucks charge players yeah. close to $1,800 to opt out of having a roommate. So if players had four or fewer years in the league or weren't a starter, they would have a roommate on the road unless they paid the sum. Yeah, I have a feeling that, Emerson some would of pay that stuff. for a roommate. I would, I, would, <laughs> I, would, I, would be like, I would be like, hey, listen, bucko, you're sleeping on the air mattress. <laughs> oh, you're not going anywhere. I heard you tried to pay to get out of this. What's wrong with us? Do we need to talk? Is there something off with our friendship? What did I do to you? All of this drama started off by the reality TV producers that are the NFLPA. God love you and God keep you. Let's talk about the Jets next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Uh, by the way, guys, the Jets ranking 21st overall on the report card. And after three tumultuous seasons with said Jets, quarterback Zach Wilson has received the team's permission to seek a trade. Here's what general manager Joe Douglas told reporters yesterday. I've had good conversation with his agent, Brian Ariel. Um, we, where we are exactly, we, we've, given, we've given them permission um, to talk to other teams about a trade. Um, I'm going to circle back with Brian at some point. Um, either this week or next week, just to see how those conversations go. Um, but um, other than that, there's there's nothing else to report. Uh, Gojo, for weeks, all indications were that Wilson would likely be dealt this offseason, but now his camp is officially free to talk to all 31 other clubs. 
Yeah, and Dad, it's a shame that the Jets don't have any sort of experience with casting off an incredibly talented former top overall pick <laughs> and getting pennies on the dollar in return <laughs> the way they did in 2021 when the Panthers added Sam Darnold in exchange for a 2021 sixth rounder and a second and a fourth in 2022, which actually more than I would have expected. And so I guess that's kind of where you'd set somewhat of a price range for Zach Wilson. I don't know if even Zach accomplished as much as Sam Darnold, I have to go back and check and see what the statistical profile looked like there, but I'd imagine this is going to be very little of anything that they recoup from this and just kind of wash their hands. Oh, without a doubt. This is a, this is a fresh start for Zach. Uh, this is all going because it's not going to cost a lot at all. So it's going to be a team that feels that he can be, I don't want to say a reclamation project, but somebody that can come and he's not going to be brought in anywhere as a starter, but if you're bringing him in, you're taking a chance that he could develop into maybe a good backup and maybe a potential partial starter at some point. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but that's what you have to have a team think because it's going to cost you so little to get him. Can he be a guy to fortify your team if your starter is out? Well, we saw last year that that answer was no. Uh, but you know, if you want to say different circumstances for the Jets, where everything went into Aaron Rodgers, and then when Aaron Rodgers went away, you know, everything fell apart, including how the team uh, went about their business. Uh, but I, I, I'd imagine someone. Who knows why trade for him? I guess unless you really want him, just wait and you know, cut. He's going to count what eleven mil against the cap. Uh, I think this year. So they're getting rid of the guy anyway. So it's one of those, do you give up a sixth rounder for him or you just wait till he's cut and then try and sign him, but then everybody else can as well. Not that there's going to be this hot market for Zach Wilson, though. No, I, I think reclamation project is the right word. It's going to be what we see a lot in this league, the hubris of other coaches saying, oh, I can fix him. You didn't know what to do with all that talent, but I can corral that because I'm the great coach. That's the prevailing ideology that gets a lot of these coaches to this point. It's egos just like we have for players. So that's going to be what happens for Zach Wilson. I wish the dude well. I hope it goes well for him. I don't really see sure. this glorious turn uh, you know, about face that goes on in his career based on no. what we've seen so far because we know that's a difficult thing for quarterbacks to pull off, but... If he can hold the clipboard for a while, if he can go and be a backup quarterback and make that transition in the league, that's a hell of a living you get to make if you know you have the opportunity. It's good work if you can get it. So wish him well on that. He is by far, I mean, way down on the totem pole of interesting Jets headlines from this last couple of days. Emerson, we got to get to this McCall oh, Hardman business and everything that went on with his interview in the pivot. Yeah, yeah. It would be a Jets offseason right here, guys, without drama. So in this interview with the pivot, so Super Bowl hero, by the way, McCall Hardman, shedding some light on what led to his trade from the Jets. And I just feel like it's not an established coaching staff there as well. Like, you just got a new coaching staff that came in, you know, and like – it's no standard there. It's like everybody do what they want to do, and it's like whatever. Now, granted, the defense have a more of a stabilized standard with that with the coaching staff on that side. So you could tell the defense got a they got a, a standard, but the offense is just like, all right, we'll just figure it out. It's Aaron show. Let Aaron do what Aaron do. You know what I mean? But then when Aaron go down, it's like we don't know what to do. Y'all can't tell me about winning. I'm I'm, I'm I've been to four Super right. Bowls. In five years, you know what I'm saying, now, you feel me? But beforehand, I've told I've been to four AFC championships, I've been to three Super Bowls, I've won two of them. Like, I know what winning looks like. Right. I know what winning is. So y'all keep telling me certain things, it's like I'm not going for that. 
it's over. I already talked to Veach and Pat. Like, hey, bro, come get me, bro. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, what are we talking about? Like, man, come get me. Uh, Gojo, he also said Taylor Swift told him good job after making the game-winning touchdown catch. But, yeah, Miko Hardman, he's talking a lot right now, and his former Jets teammates are pretty pissed about it. Yeah, Jets GM Joe Douglas yesterday uh, really brushed a lot of the comments off about the team and said actions are speaking louder than words. But, Dad, the one thing they're just kind of openly copping to a little bit of light tampering in the midst of the season, <laughs> that was the one where Joe Douglas said yeah. those comments resonated with us and I'm sure resonated with some other folks in the league and probably the Chiefs who are like, dude, why are you doing this? This is the danger of podcasting when you get real comfortable. You just start saying the fun stuff and the fun stuff here could actually get the Chiefs in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, the, the, the fun stuff has been great fodder for talk shows like ours, right? And, and all of around the country because you're getting, you're hearing a lot more from athletes. And you're right, the more comfortable they get in front of a microphone, the more uh, they may say. But I found it interesting with Hardman. Hardman refused to return punch for them. Didn't like the special team co uh, coach, Brant Boyer, thought he was misled by him. Actually told Salah, I'm not catching the ball for that man. Uh, and talking about Boyer, <laughs> so... Boy, it had to be awful there of just what was going on. But he sheds a little more light on what we kind of all thought. Now, everybody, take McColl's words however you want. He's a guy that didn't work out with the Jets, and he goes back, and it worked out pretty well for him. Uh, but, but still a guy who basically is saying what we all thought. Once Rodgers went down, that team, they were, just weren't ready for anything, including what quarterback was going to play next, what they were going to do, and it just turned out to be an unbelievable lost season. Not to say that for other teams that may not happen if you lose a all-time great in the first four plays of a game, but uh, he really kind of took us inside as to, yeah, this team is kind of a mess. Yeah, he might not be the perfect vessel for delivery on this based on some <laughs> of the things you said. And Jets punter Thomas Morstead yep. came out and said, be careful getting information from disgruntled former employees. Getting beat out by a rookie free agent after being guaranteed millions of dollars is tough to deal with. Entitlement is a killer of opportunity. You have to earn it every year. McCole Hartman might not be a culture changer who brings the winning culture with him as much as he would like to believe based on what we've seen. But he does know what it looks like. He's not wrong about that part. He's seen under the hood right. inside that Kansas City operation, an operation that knows good and damn well how to produce this at a high level and what culture looks like. And, Dad, you're right. It does seem to lend itself to everything else we've heard between the Diana Rossini piece at The Athletic and almost everything else that the Jets really are lost offensively. And once Aaron went down, you saw the limitations of Nathaniel Hackett start to pop up, who also got name-checked here again. So he doesn't sound wrong about a lot of those things. It reinforces everything we've ever thought about the Jets as an organization. It's consistent with the brand. The thing that's not consistent is some of the accusations that started to pop up with, I believe, a since-deleted tweet from Sauce Gardner, their defensive back, who said, are we going to talk about the game plans that got leaked last year for I believe it was the Kansas City Chiefs game and one other game. So those are a couple of accusations that all of a sudden start to, uh, as the Chiefs and the Eagles, he claims that uh, game plans on offense were leaked to the opposing team. Those carry a little bit more weight, even if the easy joke is no one needs any extra information to beat the Jets from 2023. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would, that you <laughs> that would be something. If you have players leaking game plans, and again, he deleted that tweet. He has no evidence of that at all. Uh, at least none, I don't believe, unless I'm wrong, anything that he shared about why he thinks that happened. 
Uh, but yeah, that that would be something. That would be uh, that would that's one hell of an accusation to make to say that a, a game plan was leaked. It would be, and I don't know, man. I think all of this points back to like obviously again. This is a reminder that not every player in every locker room is happy. These are big teams, even in the NFL, right. and so you're never going to have a bunch of people that are 100% on board. But there's been smoke, so much smoke about what's going on in this Jets building that the pressure on Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers alone, because we've seen he's the only thing holding that together offensively. That's all they've got. They have pushed, they sold their soul in that Jets building and gave control all to Aaron Rodgers in the belief that finally having a quarterback of that caliber would be the thing that lifts them over the hump. And we saw the stress it's put on the organization when that didn't work out. And so all of that weight gets planted firmly back on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers starting in 2024 again. Between 11 starts for Mac Jones and six for Bailey Zappi, the Pats did not get quality play at the quarterback position last season. And so it's not a shocker to hear from our good friend Doug Kide that New England has met with quarterbacks Drake May, Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy, and Bo Nix at the NFL Scouting Combine. And they will meet with Caleb Williams tonight. So that was yesterday. So that means that they would have met with Caleb last night. You also, another option is the Patriots will be picking third at least as of right now, guys. Another option, Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe the Pats go out and address their quarterback issues and free agency and say, hey, this guy is more of a guaranteed sure thing than the quarterbacks on the board. Some of the bigger names, though, drawing interest at their arrival in Indy yesterday, but we also started to hear from players and their experiences so far in Indianapolis. I feel like I belong. Uh, I belong here. Uh, you know, there's... Like I, like I was saying, there's a lot of great players, there's a lot of great defensive linemen here. And oftentimes, you know, I look to my left, look to my right uh, and say, man, like these guys are really good. But then, you know, I go uh, into my hotel room and I look in the mirror and say, damn, I'm good too. Yeah, it's a blessing to be here, but the job's not done yet. Uh, my story's just started, you know, this is just my uh, rookie year. We got a lot more work to do and, you know, I'm not satisfied with being here. I gotta go dominate now. You know how man is. I mean, you want yourself. Um, we gotta grow into our bodies. And this is me, as y'all see. I'm a big guy, big frame, and that's just how it is. I just grew into my body, man. Think about me, I love football, you know. I would play this for free, but, you know, they paying, so I'll take it. Well, uh, yeah, go Joe. You're going to be... You're going to be hearing from a lot of Michigan players because there's 18 of them who were invited to take part in this scouting combine this week. Yeah, and I think no more interesting quote from a Michigan player than Michigan linebacker Michael yeah. Barrett yesterday talking about his quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, saying he's the kind of player that Patrick Mahomes type where he can make a play at any moment. You can sleep on him. When you think he's down, he'll throw a ball out of his butt for real. What? I haven't in my huh. film study yet seen the butt ball from J.J. McCarthy, but now it's something that you've got to prepare for. And when you get that out there in the game plan, it that's, makes you worry. That's like something Patrick Mahomes would whip out, you know? Tossing yeah. a football yeah. with his butt. That seems like something you usually got to pay for on a certain website out here. Oh. But what do I know about don't, any of don't that? Don't Google not it much. on a work um, computer. Do not Google it on a work computer. Yeah, don't do it. Uh, Dad, the majority of the guys you heard from in that video, defensive linemen, including McKinley Jackson out of Texas A&M, had the funny quote about money there at the end, which... <laughs> I appreciate yeah. always, but uh, 
We got the D-line and linebackers going to be on the field today. Uh, we always talk about the bench press on the combine at the combine, that 225 rep test. So which of these players, Dad, could be pressed into action or lift their teams to new height early on in their careers? Is there a game-changing defensive player that you look at in this draft? I guess as we get to that group, we've talked so much about the quarterbacks and about the receivers well, and about the tackles and very little about a lot of the guys on the defensive side of the ball right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you start looking at especially interior D linemen, you're you're not sure because a lot a lot of times that goes statless. You know, you're eating a double team, are you forced in a cutback where it doesn't show up in a box score? Uh, yet it's very impressive. You know, because the edge rushers that you have there, a Dallas Turner from Alabama, Jared Verse from Florida State, those are the guys we're going to look at to see what kind of numbers they can put up. But then you look at what six hundred and seventy pounds of defensive tackle from Texas with. The guy you heard from there, Tavondre Sweat, who weighs over 360, as he said, I just grew into my body. And uh, Byron Murphy, who's about 310 from Texas. I mean, what a duo on the inside there. So interested, again, to see that defensive tackle, that interior line position. You'd love to see great pass rushing, pressure on the quarterbacks, but everything is in a sack. Do you push the pocket? Again, do you redirect? How do you stop a, a you know the guard uh, from getting off to the second level on your linebacker? So these are the things that I love to look for in interior D-line. So while you know me and the combine and the underwear Olympics, I still watch and I still love to see what these guys are going to do. And the great thing about it is these guys know they're not doing a lot of football now, but they know this is their interview. So they, they're at it 100%, and I love that. So it's always fun to see, especially guys this big, and how well that they can actually move. I think, to the current place we're at in the NFL, we've talked a lot about how important linebacker and defensive tackle are going to be going forward given what defenses are seeing from opposing offenses. We saw in the postseason, if you're a team in the NFC and you know, hey, we've got to go and beat the 49ers. That is the big bad. That's the final boss in our conference right now. We've got to beat them. What did you see during the postseason run that gave you the best opportunity to do that? consistent interior pressure it was yep. star defensive tackles being able to get into the face of Brock Purdy on that team and so I look at guys Byron Murphy the one you mentioned is one of my favorite guys in this draft he's been someone that Texas has been in love with for a long time and in that tandem with him and Devondre Sweat who ended up Devondre Sweat I believe won the Outland this year for the best best lineman offense or defense in college football there's part of me that thought Byron Murphy was better. He just didn't have as gaudy a stats and certainly isn't a mountain of a man. We saw Devondre Sweat with the Heisman pose when he scored a touchdown in the Big 12 title game. He He's great, but Byron Murphy is closer to... There's no Aaron Donald comp that's deserved for any of these guys in the draft. Right, I'll just right, say that. Right. But Aaron Donald's created a world where more undersized defensive tackles can still find a place in this league. And Byron Murphy at 6'1", 310 is not what you'd think of as some gap plugger in the middle but he's incredibly active and dynamic there. The same would be true in Michael Hall from Ohio State's a little bit closer to the Aaron Donald profile at 6'2", 280. Incredible fluid mover. A guy that's going to backdoor a lot of guys, create havoc in the middle, did so for Ohio State at a lot of junctures this last season. He certainly falls into that range as well. And Dad, then you got a guy like Chris Jenkins. Great bloodlines there. One of the Bruce Feldman right. freaks list guys, much like his father before him. An absolute animal when it comes to the physical profile for this guy. And what you need of a defender that's going to have to come down and eat up space in these boxes if you've got lighter boxes up front, but also need a guy who can get after the passer 
little bit. Chris, a little less so than the other two guys I've mentioned, but still absolutely a competent player that's going to help somebody out in these ways. There's a, a linebacker. You know, the linebackers are, are competing, too, on the field uh, today. And just something about Peyton Wilson, kid from North Carolina State. I mean, dealt with injuries, had labrum in his shoulder, had two ACLs. I mean, this is a guy who would be kind of the walking wounded, but when he was on the field, well, I think over 400 tackles in his career. I know you did games that he did. I did. That's how long he's been in. I did games uh, that he played in. Just He's a guy that is just all over the field, but, and I just wonder where his body is in trying to hold up now to the next level and the players have to take on a hit because he is a tackling machine, So and he is all over the field. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what his career is. He's one of the higher rated. And then a guy, you know, that we got to know a little bit, Maris Leofile, the kid from Notre Dame. I saw him at the Senior Bowl, had a really nice week of practice, Was is always, always seems to be by the ball. And you're always like a guy like that. Certainly these guys, some of the guys taken later will be special teamers as well. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he does at the next level. Just a smart, tough, rangy player. And I think it really important, and Maris is a great case for this, as are some of these other guys, Edron Cooper out of Texas A&M, who can flat out fly. Right. Some of these dudes are going to run like deers. I would encourage you when the linebackers are running 40s, get ready because Edron Cooper out of A&M, going to fly. Who you mentioned, Peyton Wilson, I can't wait to see this dude's 40 because he was like the Terminator, hawking dudes down, relentless yep. effort. You'll see, they'll show highlights during the combine. This dude's play speed is off the freaking charts. But a guy like Marist, I, I think it underscores something that has become very valuable. And if we talk about, you know, the, you know, the effect of a guy like Aaron Donald or what's going on in the current NFL. You also look at the current NFL, what have we seen? A ton of those simulated pressures, sending linebackers as that ad blitzer in a lot of schemes. What Micah Parsons became for the Dallas Cowboys, obviously being the highest end of this, but linebackers with pass rush wiggle. And it's one thing Maris does. Maris got pass rush ability. You can put him up at the line of scrimmage, and he's going to be a value add there. Backs on backers. My God, this makes me feel old because I was an Eagles fan when his dad was playing. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. out of Clemson. You watch yes. the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame, Audrick estimate one of the best pass-protecting backs in this draft. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. made him eat his words a couple of times. That's a guy that's going to win for you one-on-one. -on -one. So with these guys, you're looking at not only, hey, traditional linebacker stuff, we probably need a little bit more of that coming back, and we'll see if college adjusts and starts sending us a few more thumpers back out into the world. But in the meantime, you got guys that on third down are going to be a value add going towards the quarterback, and that counts for something. Coming up next, Peter King joins the show to answer for his Pop-Tart crimes here on Gojo and Golan. <laughs>